a big part of my mission and my why is to really elevate the conversation around being a female founded brand, being, you know, I'm also a first gen Latina. And I think that's important, you know, as part of my heritage and, and part of my story, you know, like I didn't see founders that look like me, um, primarily in the pet space. And so part of my mission is just elevating the conversation and, you know, partnering with some of these retailers is exciting because we can partner with them, start to have more of those conversations as well. This is Evolve CPG's Brands for a Better World podcast, featuring purpose-driven leaders who not only believe in better, but actively pursue it. That better products, better brands, and better leadership for a better world. Thanks to you, our listeners, this podcast is now ranked in the top 10% of all podcasts globally. Let's not stop there, though. You can help us reach more people by taking a moment to leave us a rating or review, which is critical for podcast algorithms and by sharing your favorite episodes with your network. The more people we reach, the more good we can bring about in this world. If you work in the industry, you can also join our online community where we're going further, faster, together at community.evolvecpg.com. I'm your host, Gage Mitchell, founder and creative director of Modern Species, a sustainable brand design agency helping better brands grow and scale their impact. On this episode, we're speaking with Jess Berger, founder and CEO of Bundle and Joy, about her doctorate in business, her tattoo that reminds her to be intentional, her passion for pets, how she's funding women entrepreneurs, and much more. Well, hi, I'm Jess Berger. I'm the founder and CEO of Bundle and Joy. We're a purpose-driven brand on a mission to deliver superfood nutrition to dogs across food, treats, and supplements with our curated bundles of personalized nutrition. Awesome. I'm excited to have you on the show. Your brand looks awesome, and I love the sound of your nutritious treats. I'm sure they're better, way better for pets than most of the garbage out there, I imagine, and I'm excited to break that down in a little bit. But before we get there, I was also excited to see that you're getting a doctorate in business administration. I didn't even know there was such a thing as doctor business. So I'm curious, what drove your passion for business in the first place? And I know you've done a lot of marketing as well, so I guess I'll lump that in there. Where did your passion for business and marketing come from? Well, I would definitely say that I was always like the geek in school that just really loved school. So that's probably at the forefront. You know, I think being achiever, some of us are, you know, definitely admit to being high achievers and being very driven, but I've really just loved school, but honestly just love learning and um, had an amazing opportunity my senior year of high school I got involved with the Kaufman Entrepreneurship Program and got to do an intern at an advertising agency. And I guess that just kind of opened my eyes to like how cool marketing was. You know, we were doing commercials and TV spots and just, I was like, oh, this is so cool. And, but I think I've always been very confused. I love artistic things too. I'm, I'm kind of creative. So I went to college after graduating really high in my class, but I started as a vocal performance major, which is like, what the heck? What was I doing? But I loved singing. Singing was a huge part of my life. But I was like, I'm going to have a minor in marketing. Like, I'm going to keep like, you know, something in the back. And I think very quickly I realized like I love singing, but I loved marketing even more. And I felt like this could be a great career and I could still sing, right? So I um, ended up getting my degree in marketing but quickly in my career, got into more finance and accounting. 
And, you know, sometimes I'm like confused. Like I love numbers and I love art stuff. I don't know if any, I don't know if you're like that too. Like, I think a lot of us founders are like, we're, we like the numbers. We're also very creative. So I ended up getting my master's in accounting, which is so not what marketing people do. Right. Like, <laughs> like super yeah. confused. Right. Like, but it was amazing because I got some really good foundational stuff in more finance. I was working like really heavily in more finance roles and one day I went to my mentor who was the um, CFO at PetSmart at the time. And I was like, you know, I really love marketing. Like, and if I don't get out of finance now, I'm going to get stuck. So he kind of gave me his blessing and I ended up moving more into marketing and promotions at PetSmart, ended up being a buyer. And long story short, we'll talk about my journey a little bit. But in 2018, I retired. I had a retirement party and decided to take a pause and really say, like, what is it that brought me joy? What did I want to do? And I remembered that I loved when I was little, like playing school. Like I asked people a lot, like, what did you like to do when you were a kid? You know, like, I don't know, Gage, what did you do when you were a kid? Do you remember? I'm going to put you on the spot. Sure. Yeah, I did lots of art projects. I invented games with friends or we'd just be running around playing like roller hockey in the streets or doing art projects or I don't know, just using creativity outside mostly. I love it. Well, we I played school a lot and I loved being the teacher and I kind of remembered that and I thought, God, that's right. Like I always wanted to be a teacher. So I decided to go into doctorate program so that someday I could be a college professor even started teaching a couple of marketing classes at a local university and just really loved it. So yes, I'm getting my doctorate. I'm in my fourth year in marketing. It's been quite an adventure. A doctorate is like a whole nother level of reading and research, but I'm actually doing my dissertation on something kind of interesting around personality and its impact mm, on cool. impulse buying. So specifically for Gen Z consumers. So it's like something I'm very interested in. But I've learned like this whole other level of research that is kind of ridiculous. So yeah, I'm an entrepreneur and a founder, but also a doctoral candidate, which is a little weird. I mean, weird to some degree, but not that weird by which I mean, a lot of us hit a stage where we're wondering where we want to go deeper in life. And sometimes the only way to go deeper is to go back to school and, and get that degree so you can kind of carve out that space to geek out on some subject that you're interested in. In fact, the co-founder of my agency, Modern Species, left a handful of years back to do exactly the same thing. <laughs> she realized that, yeah, sure, this running a creative studio thing was interesting, but she was kind of more interesting in the psychology side, like the psychology of workplaces, of consumer behavior, of all that kind of stuff. So she went back, got a second bachelor's, and then went into a PhD program that she's finishing up now. She just finished all of her tests for it now she just needs to write the dissertation but she's getting a phd in io psychology which is industrial organizational psychology to figure out how you like recruit people retain people engage them and find the right people and keep them happy and make their workplace great and all that kind of stuff but it's just kind of those tangents in life you know where you're like you know what this is really cool but i'm also really interested in xyz and how else do you do that sometimes other than just jump back into school i've got in fact more and more of my friends have been getting or have PhDs and I'm just getting curious about sometimes I even wonder if I should go <laughs> go back and get a master's or a PhD because I also love learning. But right now I focus all my learning on reading tons of books, taking workshops, doing like mastermind groups. I went through the 
10,000 Small Businesses program, which is kind of like a, a growth group that teaches you about business fundamentals and groups you up with other business owners to get feedback on each other's plans and stuff. So I love those kind of that environment of learning and maybe someday I'll jump back into school. But anyway, I'm just saying it's not that weird. I could totally see it. I think about going back to school all the time myself. It just seems fun. I didn't play school as a kid, but I love learning as well. Yeah. And I think most of us as entrepreneurs are like constantly learning. And I think I do hear a lot of founders and stuff on on podcasts and interviews talking about how they don't have a business degree or they don't have an MBA. And I mean, I have an MBA and I would say like, I learned so much more reading books and listening to podcasts and being in groups like you're saying. So I don't think it's like necessarily about the degree. I think just being really intentional about learning and especially now there's just so much great like content being shared. You know, I've really built a business on learning from others. And I think that's, you know, I think it's not for everybody, but I really enjoy teaching. I love getting into the classroom and sharing real life experience. And I think it just helps the students in their education, like come out that much stronger. We actually have interns from the university that I was teaching at um, that work for Bundle and Joy. And it's been great because they're getting mentorship. I'm being able to pour into them, but they're getting this like really real life experience, which I think is cool. So you're teaching, you have one or two teaching gigs or something like that on the side of of running your business. Is that part of why you went for the PhD rather than just continuing and learning through books and mentorships and other colleagues and stuff is is because you wanted to like maybe teach at a higher level or something like that? Yeah, I kind of joke it's my retirement plan like to go Uh, and, and be a professor. And yeah, you can teach with a master's at a lot of universities. I'm not teaching right now. I did for a little while and it was great. But yeah, to get into a tenured position, you have to have a PhD. I also sort of have like a life bucket list of things that I want to accomplish in my life. And having my own pet brand was one of them. And I'm very much focused on that right now. But, you know, I want to do a TED Talk sometime, which that's on my list. I'm not focused on it, but I would love to do it sometime. And then the other one was to write a book. And, you know, now through my dissertation study and research, I can actually take that and maybe even write a book someday on that'll help marketers that'll help, you know, brands and companies maybe do a better job of marketing to specific groups or specific personalities. So it's kind of I think ultimately, you have to almost like write life goals out, and then kind of think of baby steps or steps you can take along in your life to eventually get there. So those are a couple like my end goals. And these, this is just a step that will help me get there. It sounds like we've got a lot of similar goals in there because a lot of things you were checking off there. I'm like, yeah, that's been on my list for a little while and I keep talking about doing it and I just haven't done it yet. But someday (laughs) it'll actually Mm -hmm. happen. And it's funny though, I I have some lists from like 10 years ago or something where I just sat down and wrote out some goals and I do that semi-regularly or just kind of continuously journal, like not on a 10 minutes every night, but just anytime the inspiration strikes, I just go write a couple pages or something in my journal. So I've got lots of lists in the journal and it's fun to just like flip back through those lists because sometimes when you're in the middle of your journey or like being present in the journey and you've got all these obligations and you got these challenges ahead and maybe you feel like you're just kind of getting by sometimes when you go back and you flip through some of those old notes and you see like your to-do or your goals or some of the things you were thinking about back then and you realize, oh, three out of five of these things I've accomplished and I did it. That's pretty cool. I am making progress. And it, while it sometimes doesn't feel like it, I just need to keep going because I'll get the other two things on this list in the near future, right? So 
I like having those as like almost an archaeological record of, of my my no, growth progress, totally like digging a couple layers agree. deep, you know? <laughs> I totally agree. Yeah. At one point, um, I had a, like a mentor advise me to write like 10 statements as if they had already happened. So like 10 things I had done, 10 things I accomplished, and then just put it in the book. And like you said, you don't touch it every day, but you kind of go back to it. And like one of them was like, I have my own brands, like... I get my doctorate, like, you know, I do a TED talk, like I said, like, they're big things, like, they're not just like tiny things. And I can, like, then look back, like you're saying, but I don't know, manifestation, you know, a lot of people talk about it, like, I don't get into the super spiritual side of it. But I do think you have to set big goals, and you have to, like, work towards those, you know, like, if you're just kind of aiming midway to your goals, like, you're never going to get to those goals. So I think that's super important. And it's been, it's been fun to watch some of those goals come to life in the last two years, especially. So, Yeah, that's great. Congrats on that. And yeah, I totally agree. I don't think you have to look at things like manifestation as spiritual per se. Well, sure. The, I'm sure the spiritual people see a lot of spirituality in it. However, just if you're just into psychology or, or something like that, I think it makes a lot of sense through that lens as well. There's lots of psychological principles that kind of back up a lot of manifestation. For example, just deciding you want to do something or having something in your mind, you're going to see more of those opportunities out in nature. Just the same way you say, wow, I haven't seen a yellow car in a while. And then all of a sudden you look around and there's going to be 20 yellow cars just because you weren't paying attention to that data before. But now that it's in your mind, you are paying attention to it. So just by the nature of deciding you want to do something, you're going to see more opportunities. And then of course, social nature is typically to help each other. So as soon as you proclaim that you're going to do X, Y, Z, write a book, start a business, do whatever, people in your network are going to keep that in mind. And then they're going to find opportunities for you and kind of send them your way. So all of a sudden, this stuff that seems like the quote unquote universe is coming together is actually you just being more intentional with your life. So I'm totally all about that kind of side of manifestation that if you just think about what you really want instead of just letting other people guide your life, but think about what you want. Just that simple act of thinking of it, writing it down, talking to a few people, stuff will start happening. And once stuff starts happening, you'll gain more confidence, you'll get some traction, and everything will just kind of flow a bit easier. A hundred percent. Yeah. I think too, like imposter syndrome, some of those things that like some of us, us founders or at least I know I, I sort of battle if I'm more focused on like the goal and what really brings me joy and purpose, you know, then it, it kind of clouds, separates like the noise or the impact of others. And I could just focus on like what really matters to me. I mean, so far as like, I got a tattoo of the word joy on my wrist, my only tattoo, I got it in last year. And it's like a reminder for me to be intentional about, you know, just recognizing those moments of joy. Like there's so much in our life that brings us joy and it's easy to lose sight of that. And obviously my brand is all about the joy that pets bring, but you know, I sometimes need to be reminded of the fact that like, there's so many beautiful things happening every day and to see them and be very intentional about it. So we're totally aligned on that. That's cool. Yeah. And well, I don't have the tattoos of reminders I do often put like little sticky notes or something around my desk of of something I want to remind myself of one of them that is one of my favorites that I still remember even though the sticky notes not there is 
you hear this statement all the time of it's not personal, it's just business. And at one point my mind flipped that and I was like, wait a minute, that's not true at all. It's not just business. It's always personal because even yeah. if you're working with a quote unquote business, you're working with the people at that business. Like if you're, you know, make a decision in your business that affects other people, both in your business and the other companies you work with. So just kind of little reminders like that of, of what you want to focus on in life, I think are super powerful. In fact, I'm working on, you said you want to write a book. Like I've always wanted to write books. I've got too many ideas for books. But one of the ideas is to put a whole book of these, what I call gentle reminders together into some sort of format. Maybe it sits on your desk. Maybe it's a coffee table book. I'm not sure yet, but I've got some friends pushing me to like (laughs) follow through on that. So hopefully I'll actually get it done maybe this year for edition one of the book. But I personally think those little mantras or reminders are a powerful way to just have like a, a little reset every now and then, like when you're a little stressed, just look at that tattoo on your hand or that sticky note on your desk or whatever it is. With that said, I did also see that you kind of bounced around a bit in the early part of your career. Like you said, like marketing, accounting, like teaching, like, I don't know, just a, bu- a bunch of different <laughs> things. And I was like, wow, she's <laughs> she's doing everything. But then you found some focus where when you started working at PetSmart, Prairie Dog, Pet Products, Merrick Pet Care, worked in pets for over 10 years before you decided to launch your own pet brand. So I'm curious to know what drove you into pets. Was this a a passion before you went to PetSmart or did you develop the passion while working in all these pet companies? And then to make this a more complicated question, why not just stay working in pet care? Why did you decide to launch your own thing? And then of all the pet product kind of things that you could launch, why focus on nutrition? If you can kind of tell us that story of how Bundle do you call it bundle times joy or bundle X joy or bundle N joy? <laughs> bundle and joy. We like to keep everybody bundle. guessing. <laughs> All right. <laughs> bundle and joy. So tell us that story of how bundle and joy came to be basically. Yeah. I mean, as long as I remember, I definitely had pets in the home. Like we were definitely always had dogs and cats and members of the family. Um, even though it was like early days, they were inside dogs. I was kind of thinking about it last night. Like maybe they didn't sleep in the bedroom, but they slept in the laundry room. You know, we've sort of all migrated our dogs into our bedroom and even into our beds. But yeah, always just <laughs> yeah. grew up with dogs, you know, all around. My mom was famous for like bringing stray dogs home and my dad being upset. You know, what are you doing? Like, we don't need more animals. She's still kind of that way, actually. But obviously, like from that, just grew such a love of pets. And then, yeah, I was working more in like finance and accounting. I was working ironically in home building um, before like the last recession and realized like I quickly needed to be in a more recession proof kind of industry and uh, had an opportunity to go to work for PetSmart, which is here in Phoenix. And yeah, I just, I fell in love with like the purpose behind sort of what pets can bring to people's life. And I felt like it was just a little bit bigger than just widgets and products. So just loved working on all things dogs. I think dogs bring so much joy to our life. And I just thought like, this is a great business to always be working in. So I was there for seven years and then left for a year and worked for a startup. That was Prairie Dog. And that was crazy. Like it was first time in a startup environment, you know, kind of learning like the craziness of entrepreneurship. Like there's no process. There's no like book of how to kind of do it. So it was a great learning experience, but ultimately was not like a good culture fit for me. And, and I knew, okay, like I need to kind of go do something different and ended up going to work 
for Merrick, which actually was uh, owned by Nestle. So they were acquired by Nestle. And they brought me in to run the Castor and Pollux business, which is the number one organic pet food brand in the U.S. today. And uh, just had a great experience there, led a whole national sales team, but fell in love with natural grocery. I had never worked in natural grocery, but fell in love with, you know, the whole foods and the sprouts and just the excitement that is in the natural products industry, like emerging brands and categories. And just, I just like was obsessed with that. Like I loved the fact that they were so ahead of the curve, but quickly learned that I, it maybe just wasn't the best fit for me. I didn't really fit the mold. The pet culture and pet industry is, is a little behind. I'm very public about that. You know, they're still doing things the way that they did things 25 years ago to some extent. And I just felt like it wasn't wasn't a good alignment from a values perspective, from a culture perspective. And personally, it just it just wasn't where I saw myself kind of staying. On paper, I would say, Gage, like I had the perfect dream job I always wanted. You know, as I was in leadership, I was making really great money. I think I would have gone really far in the company. But my husband and I talked and he's just like, like, you're not really happy. So I left on my own terms. I even had a retirement party, which is kind of funny. Um, I highly recommend that to people. I, I've said that a couple of times. Like if you change jobs, have a retirement party. So you have this really like defined end. It sounds so silly, but we had so much fun. And the goal was to stay, like take 90 days to just kind of refocus what I wanted to do. That's where I sort of reconnected with my interest in teaching. But I remembered that there was a retail buyer that was looking to relaunch their private label pet food. So I reached out to them and said, Hey, you know, like I'm doing my own thing now. Like, would you consider letting me be a part of your relaunch bid? And they said, sure, absolutely. But like, no, you're going up against all these big companies. And I was like, you know, totally get it. Give me a chance. And in like six weeks, I had to figure out how to pull together a full private label program in pet. And I still had some stuff to learn. Ended up winning the bid, which was like crazy. I won it like 12 weeks after leaving my other job. And then that really opened the door for me to basically like have my own pet brand, but under somebody else's name. So I was able to learn the things I still needed to learn about packaging and sourcing and production and distribution, like all these, I don't know, just the pieces, formulations, nutrition, some of the stuff I still had some gaps in. So I did that for two years and it was super rewarding. But I knew all along that, you know, I still wanted my own pet brand. So in 2020, I was like, okay, it's finally time. I just need to make this happen. Like, I think a lot of us in 2020 had a lot more time to think about things and decided this is the time to launch my brand. So, you know, for me doing a lot of research, I kept finding that there was a huge gap in kind of accessible nutrition that was still really good while also reaching a younger consumer. You know, the pet industry, the landscape of pet ownership is really changing. For the first time, like Gen Z and millennials are have more pets than like baby boomers. And that wasn't the case for a long time. But I felt like there wasn't really a brand that was like helping to educate them to give them accessible products at, a, at a, an affordable price. And also while reaching more of a female shopper, um, 70% of pet foods actually purchased by women, but a lot of the brands are very masculine, like very blue and brown and your dog is a wolf, which the vast majority of pet parents don't feel that way about their dogs. You know, their dog is their best friend. They're, 
cuddly, you know, baby, whatever, you know, everyone has a different name. So the research just kept showing us that there was this opportunity to build a brand and products that were accessible to the next generation of, of pet people and also to drive a pet brand and create a pet brand and company that was more purpose-driven. We see a lot of that in wellness and beauty and natural products. There's so many amazing brands out there doing great things. I felt like the pet industry wasn't doing that. And I felt like we could really fill that gap. Nice. Yeah, as a podcast all about impact-driven brands and as a person who's all about impact-driven companies, <laughs> totally, I totally feel you there. I think not only should all companies be focused on that, but especially where industries are ignoring it, I feel like that's a good business opportunity. And then that's so interesting. I hadn't thought about that in terms of the, because I, I work in branding and design and a lot of uh, products, you know, every meeting we're in, we're like, who's our target consumer? And it's almost always, you know, a female and the age just shifts with each generation, but uh, because they're usually the main buyer. So a lot of food brands and stuff take that into consideration. But to your point, I don't think I'd ever seen before looking at your website, a brand that was more targeted at women for pets. So that's brilliant insight there. That makes a lot of sense. I had to pull out one thing though, to jump back a second. You mentioned having your retirement party after you kind of left that job. And I think in a couple moments earlier, you also talked about like retiring for a little bit to think about what you wanted to do. So this seems to be a recurring theme that every so often you quote unquote retire, even if it's just for a few months, which I think is kind of brilliant in a way that most people just keep going, like take two weeks in between jobs or whatever, and they, they just keep going, keep going, keep going, but they don't create that space to to just sit and be and kind of process and think and heal and and kind of let their subconscious kind of bubble up and speak to them a little bit more. And I think that little chunk of time off, even if you can only afford a couple months or whatever, but that little chunk of time off, I feel like can be really powerful in helping you set like we were talking about before, a more intentional next step. So I just want to highlight that note for anyone out there listening, take this advice, (laughs) whether it's just a couple months and you're doing a retirement party, but like just take a little space, a little space for you to just be, you know, where your mind's not busy and you can let some other stuff in you bubble up. I think it's it's amazing the clarity that comes when you're suddenly not so focused on a single job or company like, you know, for me, I was supposed to take, you know, a couple months off and my husband likes to help people. I wasn't very, I'm not very good at sitting still. It's probably my um, honest uh, ADD condition. I think you've admitted to have some <laughs> tendencies as well. Most yeah. of us crazy founders do, but, you know, I didn't sit idle well, but at the same time, I was suddenly able to kind of like find things that like kind of I got on fire about or things that just like really, really seemed like very exciting or creating that time. And yeah, I've even just getting outside, you know, hikes, walks, like, I think those are some moments too, where I've had some great ideas. My husband and I had done some hikes a couple times and we'd have crazy ideas come up. So yeah, I think just taking that space, being intentional about like just disconnecting so important. And, you know, I think so many people right now are, Unfortunately, there's a lot of layoffs and there's like a lot of people going through major career changes. And, you know, I I definitely can't imagine what that would be like right now because there's definitely uncertainty. But, you know, I've met so many founders and people now over the last couple of years that a lot of times those create opportunities for you to stop and really think about something that brings you joy. 
something you're really passionate about. Um, and then try to figure out how you can get that to, to align with your next journey. Cause maybe it won't be in a perfect alignment, but you know, I think the more aligned we are with things that matter to us at the end of the day, like you're so much more complete. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I hear you as a fellow ADHD or whatever, that you always feel like you, well, A, you're interested in so many different things. So there's never a possibility of boredom. There's always something to be working on, whether it's reading a book or listening to a podcast or doing an art project or working on a business idea, whatever. There's just infinite number of things. But to your point, we tend to therefore fill our time with so many busy things. But I've found that when my mind is just constantly being noisy, working on a million different projects at once, it's harder to hear my heart, right? And so that's something that I've found on the occasional times where I do force myself to stop and just shut the mind down. Some other things come up that really help me move other projects forward or, or come up with this whole other idea or help me refocus or something like that. So so it's it's good to resist that temptation on occasion. But I do partly love the ADHD mindset too in just that I'm just always working on really fun, interesting stuff. Whereas I see people who don't have a clue of what else they want to do with their life or they don't have any hobbies or they don't have whatever and they're just kind of bored with life. And I find that's the ADHD is kind of the antidote for that. <laughs> At least there's never any boredom for me. I just always have a million things I could be doing. Me too. Me too. I think too, you know, me being very like right and left brain, like I was saying, or I don't, you know, sort of this artistic and very practical side, you know, I think it balances well. But now that I am a founder, I do find myself sort of drifting off more with ideas. So my team does definitely have to rein me in. You know, the importance of focus is so important. I've learned, you know, focusing on the big things. But I also think that it's okay to like dream of great ideas or big ideas or something different. That's kind of what helps us innovate. Like for Expo West, we're going to have a, a roller skating party at a local rink celebrating I saw like, that. Yeah. Uh, female I put it founded on my brands. Calendar. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, my team was like, we're doing what? And I'm like, yeah, like, cause we skate with our dogs. Like a lot of our brand is around like adventuring with your dogs and even have roller skates, like illustration on our treat package. And we, you know, it sounds crazy, but like just continuing to do things differently. And that allows us an opportunity to meet other female founded brands. And I don't know, like it, I think marketing, traditional marketing or branding or building a, a company now is so different. Like we don't have to do it the same way, you know, on paper and, and it's okay. And I think that's where that creativity comes in really handy. Well, two things real quick. Have you read The Big Leap? I believe it's called. And another one is Rocket Fuel. I don't know if you've read either of those, but they could be relevant to what we're just talking about there. But The Big Leap is kind of about finding the areas where your special powers or your special interests come into play and you can find your quote unquote zone of genius. And the author argues that you should be spending as much time as possible in your unique kind of zone of genius and delegate the rest of it. So if your zone of genius is this creativity, like come up with the new ideas side, don't squash it, delegate, you know, that's what he would say. And then the rocket fuel book is kind of similar in that it talks about every company needs both the visionary and what they call the integrator. So the integrator is the more like where the serious hat is this actually going to work? How do we set this up? Can we afford it? Like what's the process? How are we putting it on the play? How are we making sure we maintain it? How are we training everybody? That's really important stuff, right? 
But the visionary is like, you know what, let's have a roller skating party. Or you know what, nobody in this industry is talking to young women in a kind of feminine voice in the pet brand industry. Like there's these visionary kind of things that help you find your unique path and innovate and keep moving your brand or your company forward. And that's important, but it's also important to have the side of leadership that is more practical and saying, well, okay, that's a brilliant idea, but we can't do that right now. We got to focus on these things or we can't afford it or whatever. Um, So that rocket fuel book argues that you need both in a company. Most individuals aren't great at doing both. They're usually lopsided one or one way or the other. And there's, they have a test that you can take. So if you are very visionary, it's not to say that you should not lean into your visionariness and just focus on the executional or integrative stuff because that's not necessarily your zone of genius, right? So it's better to just find someone else in your company that could be your integrator if you're more visionary. So just wanted to plant those couple seeds that totally hear you. It's bad to just be pure visionary all the time. It'll drive your team crazy. But it's also good for your company if you can kind of lean into that, but just find someone else in the company who can help you be a little bit more <laughs> level-headed and keep things moving solidly. Yeah, and that really goes back to the importance of as you're building a team, right, to kind of build people that have different skill sets. I think that's what I'm trying to do a better job of is, hey, what are you really passionate about? You know, I've asked the team, what do you really enjoy doing? You know, what are things that you specifically love doing? And obviously in in a startup life, like we all wear so many different hats. So there's definitely stuff we have to do that we don't necessarily love. But I am trying to do a better job of that. I think I think the biggest challenge for me is like being so in the weeds still. We're still early. You know, we we shipped our first product in July. Um, we hit Whole Foods in October and Sprouts in November, just, you know, a few months ago. So we're still um, very much babies. My friend says we're puppies, you know, from a branding <laughs> brand perspective. Yeah. And so I think just there's so many moving pieces all the time. So trying to do a better job of aligning on the big rocks and the big things, you know, the one thing is, is a great book and it's a great concept in startup life. You can't really focus on one thing, but you know, maybe what are the couple of things that each of us can be focusing on? They're going to have momentum and have significant impact, but yeah, it's focus is huge for me. Like sometimes my team has to rein me in like, what are we talking about? But I also think that's what makes things special too. So like to your point, you have to have a balance. Yeah. And there's also another book called Deep Work that's more about that kind of focus and single tasking instead of multitasking and stuff too. But yeah, I hear you. Focus is something I've been trying to work on. I, I still like having multiple projects going on or multiple businesses, organizations, et cetera, just because whatever I learn or do in one thing helps me with some insight or connections or whatever in another thing. And they, they're kind of like symbiotic and in harmony. However, I've had to kind of rein it in and try to focus at least all of those in one space so that it makes more sense. Right. And then even with work, like, you know, I I definitely, yeah, as a small team, we all have to wear multiple hats. So I have to put my visionary hat on sometimes and I have to take that off and put my integrator hat on. And sometimes I have to take that off and put my technician hat on and get in and do some work. And then I have to, you know, put my manager hat on and all that kind of stuff. So I, I totally get that we've got to do all the things. It's just more of like as you design your org chart and as you think about bringing on new people and stuff, think about where you want to be and then make sure you put the roles 
other people's roles in the other places. So eventually you can be spending more of your time in your zone of genius. So that's the way I take that advice. <laughs> it's not practical all the time, but if you can work towards it, it could help. So let's talk a bit a little bit more about you said you kind of launched product recently in July and you're kind of going through the motions of getting distribution. I think you're selling online. You're also doing retail, if I understand correctly. Can you talk a little bit about that kind of like business mix and what the strategy is there? When I launched the brand, I definitely thought we were going to go launch this pure play D2C brand because of the convenience factor and the accessibility in more of a younger consumer as far as like digitally discovering brands and engaging. And I think I quickly realized that coming out of you know, the impact of COVID, like the consumer was excited to get back into store. And I think we're continuing to find that there's still this overarching statistics that show people want to touch and feel and discover new brands in stores. So, you know, I think I quickly realized when we, we were at Expo West last year, I realized the importance of retail still to help bring awareness and education and people to discover our brand. And I knew that quickly, like we needed to be multi-channel, if that makes sense. I think now it's like the thing to do. So I think it's great. I think we were on the right track, you know, launching into Whole Foods. We're, we're currently in one region. We're in the Southern Pacific region. So we're in Arizona, Southern California, Nevada, Hawaii. It's, it's a great region for us. Um, we're based here in Arizona. So we have a huge local focus. And then also I grew up in Southern California. So I love the connection, you know, with the LA stores and, it's been great. It's been a great partnership. It's really exciting. And then we launched Nationwide with Sprouts in November with our Superfood Jerky Bars. And that has been also a really great partnership for us because, you know, I think there's just a lot of excitement and interest in how they can be more intentional with more purposeful brands across their stores. So it's exciting for me because a lot of our, a big part of my mission and my why is to really elevate the conversation around being a female founded brand, being, you know, I'm also a first gen Latina. And I think that's important, you know, as part of my heritage and and part of my story, you know, like I didn't see founders that look like me, um, primarily in the pet space. And so part of my mission is just elevating the conversation and, you know, partnering with some of these retailers is exciting because we can partner with them, start to have more of those conversations as well. So Retail is really important to us. It's scary. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> you know, most people do not like launch right into Whole Foods and Sprouts. And there's some days where I'm like, am I going to regret this someday? But I think it's just we knew that our shopper, that younger pet person is shopping in those channels. And we're not even in pet specialty. And it's very intentional because, you know, I think there's just this sea of brands and pet specialty. And we felt like, let's get to the shopper that cares about all these other things. And then pet specialty, hopefully will kind of come along in the journey as we progress. Yeah, that makes sense. And yes, retail is scary. So is D2C so at, to some degree, because you build a website and you're like, great, now everybody's going to come and we're going to have a million subscriptions and everyone's going to buy this and it's going to be amazing. But but then, you know, it's not if you build it, they will come. It's you build it and then you've got to get everyone to come and you got to keep them coming and you got to fine tune everything and you got to just kind of work on all your advertising and your emails and so on and so forth. But same thing with retail, right? There's a million kind of reasons why that's complicated and difficult and expensive. So doing both at the same time well and ideal 
mix because you're getting exposure in the store and maybe people who don't have a store near them can buy online or maybe they go online and buy a subscription once they fall in love with your brand, etc. But it's expensive and hard to do both at the or grow both or start both at the same time. So I'm excited to see how you do. I mean, I saw on your social media that one of the stores, I think it might have been a Sprouts or something, did a whole end cap display of your brand, which is super great exposure and awesome, which also probably means that it's selling pretty well in their store if they're willing to invest that in the as an end cap, right? Yeah, yeah. We recently walked into a Whole Foods store, surprised to see a full end cap of our product, which was really, really exciting for me. Um, definitely a full circle moment because I used that same store where the end cap is. I used to go to that store and call on you know, the buyer there for Castor and Pollux when I worked there. I was also really different as a VP. I would still go in and do like resets and overnights. And the store people were like, what are you doing here? Like we've never had a VP <laughs> come in and do a reset. But I was like very, very hands-on. I wanted to like understand all of it. And so ironically, you know, like that grocery manager now, like I've been working with them since like 2015, which is pretty cool. So definitely a full circle moment. But yeah, we're really focused on supporting the retailers that we're in and the communities that we're in. We're very much a community driven brand. So, you know, I think that's resonating with, you know, I think the thing for 2023 for us and for me is just doing a better job of telling our story, telling my story, you know, more of the purpose behind the brand. Because anytime we do that, that resonates so well. And, you, and you're seeing a lot of brands do that so well now, you know, really share their journey and their challenges and, and that. So I'm actually very much an introvert, which, you know, a lot of people are like, no, you're not. And, you know, someone said introvert is more people take energy from you. Extroverts sort of get energy from other people. And I've had to kind of just like embrace the fact that I have to be vulnerable and I have to be out there. And even though it makes me uncomfortable, it's a really big part of us helping to inspire other founders. Like we've already been able to mentor and advise and start to kind of help some mentor, you know, other people getting their business started. Yeah. I, I kind of have to just recognize my role of, you know, helping yeah, to step yeah. into that. And that's a little uncomfortable, but I'm, I'm working on that. So, Yeah. I hear you. And yes, everyone misunderstands the introvert. They think that just means like shy or something, but no, it's like, introverts are often the most gregarious people I know because they're so used to having to put on a mask of of being social when they're out that they seem almost more extroverted than actual extroverts but but anyway I hear you there I'm more of an ambivert so like I get fired up hanging out with people and having conversations like this and then I need to just go and like uh, unwind for a little while so I do a little bit of both I've definitely seen that come to life in demos, I'll just say. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. For all of us founders who are in stores doing demos, like I highly recommend everyone, every founder, every member of the team to do a demo because very quickly you'll realize like a lot about yourself and about other people and your brand. We've been doing a lot of demos in store and it's been I think that's been one of the biggest learning things that I really recommend every brand, you know, at least get in and do a couple. Because it's eye-opening. Yeah, super critical. But, you know, you talked about a couple times about how you're being more purpose-driven is kind of unique in this space. And it's also helping open some doors for you. So beyond your purpose of better nutrition, you've also set up a 3% fund that goes to women in entrepreneurship. So I'm just curious because I'm part of 1% for the planet. So I know how that works. But 
how does your 3% work? Is that 3% of profits, of revenue, and and how and where do you give? Is there like a foundation or some organization specifically that you give to? Yeah, so we, I definitely set out initially to do 3% of net profits, but then kind of realized like that's going to be challenging in the startup landscape because, you know, when you're first starting, it's... Because that might be negative for a while. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So last year I realized like, okay, like this is, I got to kind of refigure this out. So... So we have been doing 3% of revenue. Last year, we really focused on like women-led nonprofit organizations. So we worked with a lot of great organizations here in the West Coast, and we were able to support them. The other thing that we've done is also really kind of bring entrepreneurs under our wing and provide mentorship and guidance. So ironically, our first founder that we sort of brought into residence to guide, her name is Joy, which was so crazy when she emailed me. That's awesome. I was like, okay, Good universe, fit. I hear you, right? <laughs> so we, I was able to kind of guide her and I'm still kind of guiding her through her business. So what we're kind of doing is a combination of like monetary. Some of it is like donation. So we were able to do a great donation to Wagmore Pets in the LA area, you know, before the end of the year. And then um, founders. As we go into 2023, I'm really focused on launching a program where we actually can more formally bring some founders in, partner with them on mentorship. It's great because I've already got commitments from other founders, other CEOs, even some big companies in the pet space who said they would love to volunteer mentor hours. So basically, we'll bring someone in for like a 12-week kind of residence, and we'll just guide them. And then we'll use some of those funds to help them if it's fixing, you know, improving their website or working with them on maybe, you know, one of our founders was like not buying their inventory. They were, you know, buying it one by one. And it was like, wait a minute, like you need to, let's talk about your inventory strategy. So we kind of help. So I'm really passionate about that for this year. I mean, we have a lot going on, but that's where I think that 3% will really go going forward. Nice. Yeah. It sounds like there's, it's, Nice to have the flexibility and you can kind of ebb and flow in there and, and figure out where you want to put it. Same thing with 1% for the planet. They built in flexibility in there. So it's 1% of your revenues, but then you can make up that 1% through a combination of monetary, in-kind, volunteer, like other kind of things, like even your B Corp kind of membership or fees kind of fit as part of that. So we end up doing like five or 6% or something typically each, each year, just cause we go overboard, but, but it's nice to have that flexibility. Cause I think some organizations need cash more than they need products. Some would really love some products. Some just need some mentoring and then also just plant a seed. I love the idea of that, that kind of mentorship program of some sort. If that needs a home, let me know. Cause our online community is starting to pivot. This is the first time I've talked about it more in public, but like, our community is starting to pivot into like a joint community of other purpose-driven kind of impact-driven communities. So we're going to start having other groups have kind of their own space, their own private space within the greater community. But then we all also get to a shared common space as well, where all of our members can interact with each other. So if, as you're working on that, you need a home for it, let me know. So Maybe to start wrapping up, though, as one of Pet Age's Women of Influence winners <laughs> from last year, or it was, I guess now, two years ago, in 2021, I, know. Time I think. Time is flying, right? <laughs> How do you hope to help the industry evolve over the coming decade? Yeah, I think the first thing we've really had to do is disrupt a little bit. I think sometimes to to have impact on an industry, you have to do things differently. I think I shared some of that. So we were at the a very big pet trade show called Super Zoo in August and 
you know, I was kind of leery about even doing a pet booth, you know, because I, it's one of the negatives of being in the industry so long. I kind of care too much about what the industry thinks about me and what I'm doing. And I'm working through that. But I was like, no, we're going to go. And we did things our way. You know, we had a very colorful booth. We wore our kind of iconic roller skates, which you'll see at Expo West if you come and visit us. We were just authentically ourselves. Um, We wore very colorful jackets. Like, this is just what we do. Like, we had uh, like colorful dogs in our booth. Like, it was just a party. It was great. Like, there was just so much joy at our booth. So, I think we really have strategically done that. And I think it's helping to elevate our story. You know, they're like, what? Like, this is way different. Like, what's going on? Like, what's her story or what's kind of her mission? So, I think that's how we've had to start to kind of have a seat at the table, if that makes sense. I will actually be on the cover of Pet Food Industry in February, which probably you're like, woo, you know, like it's whatever. But, (laughs) you know, I'm wearing roller skates on the cover. And that's like so (laughs) different than every other cover, right? And so I think for us, we just want to create a pause in someone to say, like, what is this about? This is interesting. And then I love it. I love when I get to share with people like, hey, guys, this is a miss. Like, there's such an underrepresentation of diverse founders in this industry. And they're like, oh, you're right. Like, I haven't thought about that. Or, hey, like, nobody's really connecting on in an authentic way with the younger generation pet person. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like, I haven't, like, kind of like what you said about packaging. So I think more than anything, we want to hope to lead the conversation. And then also we've developed like a great collective kind of community with other female and diverse founders in the industry. And we've started to meet together and help each other and, you know, collab and, Hey, I have a question on this retailer. So I think we're trying to create a space that is less competitive, more collaborative. And I hope that even if that my impact on the industry is that, and it gets people talking about things that, you know, we should be talking about. I think that's success in our mind. Yeah, that sounds beautiful. I think it's something that probably every industry needs to some degree, but absolutely the consumer packaged goods industry. I'm not as familiar with pet food versus human food, but you go to human trade shows and a lot of them are just majority white men in suits, you know, winning all the awards, getting all the funding and and walking around the show, et cetera. I think it's becoming more diverse and more opportunities are and more focus around diverse founders and and female founders and stuff, trying to get a more equal share of some of these opportunities is starting to become more and more prominent in the industry, which is great, but there's still such a long way to go. So I think you're right. Like it first starts with disruption. I'm saying raising that flag and saying, Hey, shit's broken around here. We should actually pay attention to it because a lot of the people who the current system benefits don't even notice that the, (laughs) the system is broken. Right. So it starts by, acknowledging the system's broken. And then you kind of work to set examples and create space and create opportunities for other folks. And hopefully over time, it becomes a little bit more equitable kind of space for people to play in. So I appreciate you kind of doing what you're doing, putting yourself in some uncomfortable situations as an introvert or as somebody who's been in the industry and (laughs) worried about what people are going to think or whatever, but it's doing the good and hard work that's going to make everything so much easier for the people that will follow in your footsteps. So on behalf of all those people and just myself as somebody who loves impact-driven work and 
diversity and inclusion and everything else we can do to make the world better for everyone. I appreciate what you're doing. And I thank you on behalf of all the people that you're paving the way for. Yeah, thank you. It's great to be a part of something that's just bigger, you know, than just pet food. You know, we're definitely purpose over profit, you know, and I think it's easy to say that, but to actually live it, I hope that, you know, we can continue to really do that and do it in a very authentic and honest and transparent way. And yeah, I'm excited to see the potential impact. You know, I recently was at a big innovation summit for pet care and everyone on stage was talking about like purpose-driven brands and how millennial and Gen Z are like the next pet parent and they're on TikTok and all these people on stage are like talking about stuff that they're not actually living out, which I get, like, I get that they, maybe they don't understand some of it or whatever. But the next day I had the opportunity to pitch at the Innovation Summit in December. And I was very direct about our mission and our passion and our purpose. And I ended up winning it. And I thought like the pitch nice. contest and awesome. I, it was crazy because I thought for the first time, like maybe I can help inspire action in the things that they're talking about. And hopefully they start to follow and watch and be like, we should be thinking about these things too. So it's a heavy load to carry. I would not, I would be lying if I said it's not draining at times. And there's definitely been the haters and people in the industry that are like, what are you doing? Like, nobody wants this. Nobody needs this. I just have to stay true to me and chase joy. Like that's what we're all about. So yeah, absolutely. And you've got it tattooed on your hand to remember that. So <laughs> so it's, uh, hopefully that'll help. But yeah, there's a, a quote that I, it's wanting to come to my mind, but it's about kind of ignoring the haters. And I'm trying to remember what it was, but it's something like, don't worry about what other people think. Cause the people who are concerned don't matter. And the people who do matter are concerned. I don't know. It was something like that. It's I'm butchering it completely. So maybe I'll try to find it and put it in the show notes, but something to that effect, like, the haters, you know, don't worry about them. They don't really matter anyway. They're just resisting change and angry about maybe fearful, I guess I should say, about their place in the future. And then the people who are supporting you know that it's needed and they want more of this and, you know, pay more attention to those folks. So I'll leave it at that. But uh, anyway, thanks again for your time. It was a pleasure chatting with you and learning more about what you're up to. And I'm excited to kind of continue watching your story unfold. And hopefully all the sales in these retail spaces keep going well and you'll keep plugging away on your website and everything and eventually there will be more copycat if you put people popping up you know nobody wants to necessarily <laughs> have competitors pop up but i think when you're doing purpose-driven work you kind of want competitors to pop up because that means you're doing something right and creating space so that's what i'm looking forward to yeah same with us like i hope to change part of the landscape in the future and that means we have to have a lot more people come along our journey. We say in a lot of our stuff, we don't want to be, we might be the first, but we definitely don't want to be the last doing this in the pet space. And so excited to see what it inspires from, you know, founders and people that have dreams and ideas. Like I'm super excited of where the industry will be 10 years from now. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, thanks again for your time. Thanks. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to learn more about Jess or her company, visit Bundle X joy.com subscribe to our podcast and youtube channel for more innovator interviews expert advice and leadership discussions if you like this episode leave a heart thumbs up or review and share it with your colleagues as an ever-evolving show we also love feedback 
So send us ideas for who we should talk to next to evolve at modernspecies.com. And of course, if you work in the industry, come join our community at community.evolvecpg.com and we'll go further, faster, together.